Hello, welcome to another episode of Varsity 360. I'm Colombian sports editor Micah Rice, joined once again by Will Denner here at the First Pacific Financial Studio. Thanks again to First Pacific Financial for supporting this show, for supporting high school athletics, and supporting the community at large. So we are here today to uh, uh, play the role of professor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we have some grades to hand out to uh, some of the uh, boys and girls basketball teams that we think uh, over reach their expect or, or uh, played better than their expectations that we had uh, coming into the season. So we've got some A's, we've got some A minuses, we've got some B pluses, but mostly we want to go more into depth on why some of these teams were able to put together such successful seasons. And so uh, starting with, I think one of the, the prime examples of that, we'll start with the boys and that would be the Skyview boys. Skyview boys, they get an A because uh, coming into the season, I mean, I think we we figured it, it would be a competitive league. Uh, you know, Camus, I think, had uh, a lot of attention coming in. But uh, Skyview, I don't think any team has improved throughout the course of the season more than the Storm. Absolutely. They've only lost, I think, now one game since uh, the first week of January. They they corrected things with that. They lost that first game against Camus. They come back last week to beat them uh, in a pretty dominant fashion. And then with, uh, you know, as we're recording this on a Tuesday, they ha- they play at Union tonight with a chance to win the outright league title. Um, they've turned it around in a, in a big way, um, in part because of their experience. They, they returned five starters, and then they also returned Jackson Filler back from the injury this year. They kind of used the month of December to uh, schedule some really tough non-league games, and it seemed like that helped get to them to this point. And now um, also their defense has improved too, as you mm-hmm. uh, pointed out. And um, so, yeah, all, all things considered, I think they have been one of the real turnaround stories we've seen so far. And uh, they're thinking – if they win the league title and and even perhaps if not that they're they got what it takes to make a deep postseason run well i think the the top grade of an a is uh uh warranted in this case because of the way they've put those early season lessons into uh, into tangible results i mean yeah. it's it's one that anybody can schedule a, a tough non-league schedule every everybody can go in december and play teams and kind of get beat up a little bit and and uh, uh, say that they'll take those uh, lessons to, you know, make progress from those uh, going forward in, in January and February. But the storm really did it. Uh, uh, let's go back in the time machine to uh, the turn of the new year when the clock struck midnight on uh, 2023 into 2024. Skyview was four and six. And like you said, last since then, they've lost just once. They've wrapped up a share of the league title, which yep. uh, you know is a, is a huge accomplishment for them. But like you said, the big defense or the big difference has been defense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, and not only that, but I think just um, when you look at kind of the pieces that they have, they've been able to figure that out. I think a lot over this past month of the season. I mean, these this was a team that was you know still somewhat young on experience last year and had some of these pieces, but now that they've they've added really all six or seven of those guys back into the mix found kind of what everybody's role is um it's it's making a huge difference for them down the stretch and and to be um you know at the top of this league and you know year in year out always a tough league um 
it's it speaks a lot to just what they've been able to do this past month. Yeah, I want to highlight a couple of players. Uh, number one, we talk about the defense, and just to throw a stat out, um, uh, bef- for the first 10 games of the season when they went 4-6, and six, they were allowing 60.7 points per game. Since then, that has dropped to almost 10 points exactly to 50.7 points per game. Uh, you profiled uh, uh, Jackson Filler, um, you know, and... Uh, Having that big body in the middle, how much, or how important is that to what they can do on defense? Oh, it's huge. I mean, yeah. last year, you know, Malachi Weimer, as a freshman, essentially, was their only real big man, uh, asking him to uh, take on a huge load. Um, but with Jackson Filler back, I mean, he's a six foot seven post. He's added a little bit of uh, of, of muscle, and and a li- he's a little bit bigger now um, since since he was first uh, starting as a sophomore. Um, to have that along with you know some athletic guys on the perimeter like Gavin Perdue, uh, Gavin Packer, Javon Fletch, all good defenders, and then pairing that with a great scorer and Damari Collins. Um, they have a lot of versatility, but yeah, I mean, just a lot of uh, guys that can fill their their roles and not not everybody needs to be the big scorer every night but just kind of play you know do the little things and and it can go a long way for them well and that's a perfect segue into damari collins who i wanted to touch on before we move on in that uh his scoring average has actually dropped from 24 points per game last year to this year just over 19 but I, I i think anybody would argue that he's a more effective scorer and a more effective player and a, a, a more clutch performer so i think that speaks to the fact that Damari doesn't have to carry the entire scoring load uh, this year, which makes Skyview a more dangerous team. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think he's still the most dangerous shooter on their team, but uh, to have guys that can kind of play off him more instead of him kind of having to be always have the ball in his hands uh, makes them a more dangerous team. All right, let's move on. Uh, We're going to go down a few classifications to a small school team that's been really impressive this year. Seton Catholic boys, you get an A (laughs) because uh, I mean, Seton, you know, they've gradually improved year after year from uh, their first postseason berth in 2016 to back to back regional bursts in 2019 uh, to uh, the 2020 district championship game. Then last year was a milestone for the program. They made their first trip to Yakima and the round of 12 in the 1A state tournament. So I think. Uh, there were some high expectations for Seton Catholic, especially since uh, most of that team last year was uh, uh, were, were they were sophomores, yep. and so you knew they'd be bringing back a lot of uh, experience. But um, uh, the real X factor has been this exciting freshman that we've talked about a lot. That's Caden Wilson, you know, averaging over eight, uh, eighteen points a game. You pair that with experienced players like uh, Brady Angelo, who dropped thirty against Stevenson just uh, over the weekend, and you have a, a team that just steamrolled through the Trico League. Yeah, not only Brady Angelo, but then you throw in Rico George is a great uh, guard and can do a lot for them. And Lance Lee, uh, one of my favorite players on that team, just a guy who hustles. He can play defense. He can he can score when he needs to. Um, all in all, a really interesting team, and and they are so well positioned for the future as well. When you look mm-hmm. at both Caden Wilson being only a freshman and this junior class still having uh, one more year left to grow, and and really. Uh, impressive for them to run through the Trico League. I mean, it's kind of a, a changing of the guard this year in that league. I mean, Kingsway Christian more recently had been kind of the team to beat 
the center had put together some good runs and and for Seton Catholic to run through this and and to clinch it at, at Stevenson which can be a tough place to play sometime really impressive for the Cougars you know I think with Seton you've seen and, and this is indicative of a young team you've uh, seen that confidence grow throughout mm-hmm. the year uh, you saw them in in the non-league season against Evergreen right that's were, right were you, um, what sort of difference what's the biggest difference do you think you've seen from that team you saw play a non-league game against Evergreen uh, during a preseason schedule or that I think there were kind of 500 maybe trying to figure things out to the juggernaut that uh, you see in the Trico League right now well admittedly I haven't actually seen them play since that game but yeah. just looking at their numbers I mean um, I think the defense has improved mightily um, I remember in that that Evergreen game that Evergreen was kind of you know shooting at will getting up the court and and Seton unfortunately did not uh, have a whole lot of resistance in that game but Seton has has really cleaned things up and and another uh, for piece of context there they were without a couple guys in in Brady Angelo and Rico George in that game so obviously that played a factor as well but um, yeah they've improved a ton since that opening month of the season and I think defense is, is a big part of that as well well definitely I mean they've been excellent on defense in the Trico League allowing just 50.1 uh, points per game uh, if if you can set that 50 point mark and say if we can score more than 50 we're gonna win yeah uh, that's that's a, a, a proposition that I think a lot of teams would take and more often than not um, well every time in the in the Trico League schedule uh, uh, you know Seton's been able to do that uh, before we move on uh, you know Caden Wilson obviously he's a very dynamic player can sc- he can shoot he can break down a defense and score in the paint but um, how important do you think it is for Seton to have that supporting cast like Brady Angelo like Lance Lee like Rico George so that when we get into the postseason here and you you come up against teams that are maybe a little bit more stout defensively that that a team can't just double team and crash on Caden. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. I remember last year uh, when when Jack Jenigas was kind of their top scoring option, and and uh, in the uh, opening round of state, they really leaned on a couple guys to get them through. And that that overtime win, Brady Angelo was one of them. Had a really big game. So um, yeah, all all of them will obviously have to play a role, and and uh, teams will I'm sure be keying in on Caden Wilson come the postseason. But they have uh, three other guys, maybe more even. Uh, uh, who can get it done for him? Well, and with pressure comes opportunity. And so I'm, I'm very excited to see what uh, Seton Catholic and Caden uh, uh, Wilson do uh, as the stakes get higher yeah. and we go into the postseason. Uh, talk about going into the postseason. We'll go up to the two-way boys and a team that I think uh, uh, emerged from a very competitive and well-balanced league to earn an A-minus for Columbia River boys. A-minus only because uh, uh, you know they came so close. They had a an opportunity to knock off Mark Morris and possibly get that league title. But, uh, uh, you know, a fabulous season yep. in the 2A Greater St. Helens League for the Columbia River Boys, a program with a first-year coach, Mark Ganter, uh, a, a, a program with a, a dynamic guard tandem and Ari Richardson and Aaron Hoey that are just juniors, but then uh, a, a big, solid cadre of uh, supporting, se- uh, you know, a senior class that, you know, plays their supporting roles to those two guards so well. Um, 
In finishing second, I, I think Columbia River, River really impressed us in that they were the only team to beat Mark Morris during the league season. Yeah, that was huge, and, and they did that early in the year. I mean, I, I remember still opening night when they, they got a big win against a 4A program in Battleground. They beat Mark Morris just a couple weeks later, I believe, and even though they took losses um, in the first go-around to the likes of Ridgefield and R.A. Long, they ended up winning both of those games in the second go-around, which I think speaks a lot to just, you know, kind of making those corrections and adjustments and and uh, figuring out kind of what they needed to do to get over the hump there. Um, and then when you mentioned the first-year head coach and Mark Ganter, I mean, the, to have uh, three different head coaches in three years and, and kind of still be a little bit in the shadow of David Long, mm-hmm. who was there for such a long time, I think is, is really impressive both for the coaching staff and this group of players to just kind of adjust year in, year out, and, and they put all their pieces together uh, going into the postseason. You know, it's their first league title since, or sorry, uh, they were, they were uh, the last time they won a league title was 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. They come up just short this time, but uh, this is a team that I think is going to be really interesting for me to see. Uh, how they go through the district and and hopefully if you're a, a Rapids fan ultimately the state tournament and in, in that I think with that guard tandem uh, you know we're coming off a game and the the regular season finale where Ari Richardson dropped 28 points and Aaron Hoey is possibly one of the best pure shooters that uh, yeah. Columbia River has had in in a while there um, so uh, what do you think the ceiling is for that team in the postseason oh I mean I, I think they absolutely have a chance to make the state tournament and um, to get uh, I believe there are four berths out of uh, District 4 in that 2A uh, district tournament and and with the EVCO uh, 2A kind of being a little bit weaker this year up north um, I think River uh, has a great shot of getting through and, and depending on what their their uh, placement would be for a uh, opening round of state, you know, who knows? I mean, and, and also, I mean, when we talk about those guards and like you said, I mean, they, they have a really nice kind of supporting cast of seniors as well and different guy, you know, kind of repeating here, but almost like that Skyview team of just like different guys who can, who can fill it up for them, but also just uh, a lot of length, a lot of versatility and guys who can defend um, really an interesting team. And I'm, I think we're, we're all excited to see how that translates to the postseason. Yeah. I mean, just to put, these these kids names on in into the record here miles fitz wilson adam reader carter sharon nico valdez all seniors all uh contribute in many ways sometimes you'll see like a miles fitz wilson scoring double figures and or uh, nico valdez uh get a double figures and rebounds but then other times it's what they do defensively that really makes the difference yeah yeah all right and the final boys team that we're going to give an exceptional grade here to is the evergreen boys and they get a b plus uh, for us because um, while uh, they've taken a few lumps and uh, uh, ultimately uh, were, you know fell short in a, a game last night against Kelso to decide the league title, I don't think uh, many teams in the area have shown as much grit as the Plainsmen have. Uh, the Plainsmen went uh, uh, you know, a, a few games without leading scorer, Des Daniel, who hurt his knee but came back. Uh, uh, they were also without Arthur Ban, who's uh, one of the more dynamic players, both yep. on a rebounding and above the rim uh, uh, type of setting. But uh, the Plainsmen just kept finding a way. They are 5-1 and one in games decided by six points or less, including three 
three of their six wins in the three A Greater St. Helens League. So, therefore, uh, you know the resume for for Evergreen might be the not maybe not the most eye popping, and that you you say, well, they didn't win the league title, and we don't we're not sure how the three A Greater St. Helens League maybe stacks up to some of the other stronger mm-hmm. leagues around the state. But as far as um, you know, making the most with what they have and coming through in close situations, I think you need to tip your hat to Evergreen. Absolutely. And, you know, of course they were disappointed not to win the league title last night, but I think, like you said, just to be able to, to win so many of those close games and, you know, the ones they really needed in league, starting with uh, that first win against Kelso when, when they played uh, much of the second half without Des Daniel. And they were also without uh, Fox Crater, who was playing in the all American bowl as a football player, uh, the Oregon bound offensive tackle. And then um, also, uh, you know, to, to get those wins against Prairie, both of those were within four points. And, um, you know, a team that I, I think we said from the beginning of the year had some really kind of interesting, uh, a mix of, you know, kind of the younger guys like Des Daniel and guys who can light it up from the perimeter, but then also having this great, uh, you know, kind of inside presence between Fox Crater and Arthur Band and kind of, you know, being one of the bigger teams that they've had in recent years. So um, ultimately it didn't translate to a league title, but they'll still get a home game in the first round of the 3A by district tournament. It'll be a loser out game but um, they're back in the postseason after missing out last year, and that's an accomplishment. And and to do it like they have this season without, um, you know, being at less than full strength for a lot of it still is impressive. Well, and I think they're a tough matchup, too, because yeah. of that size that you mentioned uh, and, you know, the outside scoring ability and the, uh, you know, the strength and athleticism down on the blocks. Uh, I, I think they're a team that you depending on who they match up against they if they get a favorable matchup against someone in the by district tournament um evergreen could get hot and who knows and they've done that before and and another thing too is even like going back to last night's game when they were in foul trouble they have a lot of guys that they're willing to throw in there i think they played i want to say like 11 or 12 guys last night so uh a lot of different lineups can work for them and they're not not afraid to uh, throw different guys out there. So yeah, in the postseason, I think they've shown in the past that they can make a run and, and this team uh, definitely has some of those pieces. All right. Well, let's move on to some girls programs that we think really uh, exceeded our expectations. Uh, although probably they didn't exceed their own expectations because <laughs> a few of these I know brought some pretty lofty goals into yeah. the year. And one of those is the defending league champions in the 2A GSHL Columbia River. They get an A, not because they merely repeated as league champions, I think they would say, well, yeah, we want to keep the standards high around here, but it's because of, of, again, the way they did it. Um, They're doing it with just three seniors and their key players. You look at sophomore Gracie Glavin, you have junior Marley Myers. um, You know, one of those seniors, Emma Iniguez is a, is a great player, but uh, uh, first year coach and you know, T Anderson, it's uh, I, I think Columbia River, the way they were able to handle their business in the 2A Greater St. Helens League and being the only team this year to beat a very strong Ridgefield team, and they did it twice. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, for them to win back-to-back league titles, I mean, last year it was a big story because they, they hadn't won many in the past 20 years. Um, but for them to do it with a first-year head coach, and, you know, they did graduate some key players last year. I think uh, they still had the core back with, with Emma Iniguez and, 
and, and Gracie Glavin, Peyton Dukes, Marley Myers, uh, Paige Johnson's a great, great defensive player for them. And um, yeah, it was impressive to see what they did last week against Ridgefield to win that league title, a, a really back and forth game. And they, they had to go up to Ridgefield and play that game in, in a loud environment and weren't rattled when, when Ridgefield made their runs. And I think it's just impressive to see, um, again, them do it with the first year head coach and, you know, coming off of that great year last year when they made the opening round of state to, uh, to rise to the top in a pretty competitive league as well is really impressive stuff. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the job that coach Anderson has done there because, uh, uh, the, the seeds of this recent success were really sown by Jesse Norris, yeah. who, uh, uh, like you mentioned, got that team, uh, to the mountaintop last year, uh, got them to state, and then takes the job uh, coaching the women's team at Clark College. So T. Anderson comes in, uh, you know, she's she's got her own own style, every coach does, that's a little bit uh, different from their predecessor. But, you know, I, I get the sense she's really kind of taken some of the values and um, some of the talent that was instilled by Coach Norris and just enhanced it. Absolutely, especially on the defensive side. I mean, that was really their calling card last year, and it seems like they still maintain that identity in, in a pretty major way and then um, you know they just play hard and I, I think uh, you know he hearing about uh, you know from earlier in the year when uh, we reported on them a little bit like it, it seems like T Anderson really you know wants them to practice hard and then apply it to the game and it seems like they they really do that for the most part um, so yeah it's kind of like it's a good way to say it they've, they've really kind of enhanced what Jesse Norris first started and and much of the same group has now carried it forward with a new head coach well well, the numbers don't lie. I mean, you talk about their defense. That's where the Rapids have really shined. They've allowed 50 points or fewer in 11 of their last 12 games going into the postseason. Uh, so that has them you know, aiming for their second state appearance since 2016 when they made the regionals as a 3A team. Yeah, so, that's uh, impressive. So, yeah, it really, uh, you know, great season for the Rapids. Hopefully they can keep that going in uh, the, the postseason. And speaking of postseason, we, uh, we have another uh, – uh, a grade to give to a team that uh, has just yesterday um, ended one of the longer droughts of league titles, and that would be the Mountain View Girls. You get an A for getting your a share of your first league title since 1998. What a job by that coaching staff and that roster there at, at Mountain View. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, they, uh, you know, they to, to have that long of a drought, first of all, I mean, you know, we talked uh, last year, too, about how Evergreen won their first league title since 1980, and a lot of that is just because of what a buzzsaw Prairie was for so long, and, and even Mountain View having some good teams that you know uh, wasn't able to win the league title. But this year they come out of the gate really hot. Um, Nina Peterson, obviously their leading scorer. They they add both uh, Layla and uh, Jalen Sanderson, both transfers from uh, Union, and then uh, have a great freshman point guard Miley Thompson, and you know really just again start start out really fast. It carried them, um, you know the the way the 3A Greater St. Helens League goes, they start league games from the very start, and uh, Mountain View really kind of built themselves some early momentum in doing that, and even though um, suffered a, a league loss or two down the stretch, um, still 
did enough to get it done, and, and they have put themselves in a good spot. Um, they will now play Evergreen tonight. Um, obviously, that result will be final by the time this comes out, but, uh, you know, they, they're in the postseason, and a uh, huge turnaround for that program under Dan Larson. Well, I think that fast start was so key to a program like Mountain View, especially considering that they went 0-8 in league play last year. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, to get that early confidence, you know, start the season 10-1, and you know, it's one thing if you, you know, they you mentioned they got that early win, in, in league play against Evergreen and maybe you start off 3-0, and 4-0, 4-1, but when when you're trying to build something and then you're you're uh, over a month in and you look at the standings like hey we're ten and one right maybe, maybe what we're doing is working here yeah and so and, and then you look at yeah they they've had a few uh, they took a few lumps here in the league season but really they don't I, I, they would they don't have what I would call a bad loss their no. their most lopsided losses are number one to a legitimate statewide class B power in Rainier and then to an Evergreen that you know an evergreen team that you shared the league title with and can get hot when they're hot. They're one of the most dangerous teams in the area. And so, um, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, the resume speaks for itself for Mountain View. For sure. And I think, it, you know, that's a good point too, about that start too. You know, I think sometimes when you, you go into a season and you feel like you might, uh, you know, have a good team on your hands and, and you know, a group has been working so hard in, in, during an off season to, you know, see those early results, I think can really reinforce a lot of the things that that you're working toward and Mountain View got that and I you know it seems like that only built their confidence as the season went on definitely another team that should not be lacking for confidence considering what they did in the 1A Trica League is Seton Catholic another A grade for the Cougars guess what Seton boys Seton girls you swept uh, <laughs> you swept the, the, the report card here uh, because it's just been a, a great season for both the boys and the girls programs there at uh, Seton Catholic but uh, uh you could argue that this is sort of a down year for the Trico, but Seton can't control that. They've just played yeah. whoever has been in front of them, and they've dominated whoever has been in front of them. Some of these points allowed numbers on, on defense are just ridiculous. I mean, they're they're giving up like what they outscored opponents by an average of 56 to 25 in league play. Yeah. They have a couple of wins where they only allowed like 16 points, a couple in the low twenties. Um, uh, you saw them play Kings way, a team yeah. that uh, we thought would be, you know, uh, kind of one of the, the, the better rivals in the league this year for Seton Catholic. And what did Seton Catholic do to shut down a team like that on defense so well? Yeah, I mean, just uh, all over the court. I mean, they have, first of all, great size with Riley Seamer, one of the, the taller uh, players in the league. And not only that, but just a really kind of scrappy group of uh, perimeter defenders, too. They have a couple players like uh, Alyssa Mancuso and CJ Moore, who also played on Seton's uh, soccer team and just kind of gritty defensive players. But then they also have the shooting, the the uh, Remy Jenigas type, and Madison Lee, a point guard who replaced uh, Anna Mooney, who was who was so big for them last year. So uh, defensively, it, yeah, it's those numbers are ridiculous. It's kind of hard to believe, and it'll be interesting to see how uh, that that uh, shakes out when they they go into the district tournament now and how that translates. But uh, overall, just a really impressive run for the Cougars. And even though the Trico League may have been down, um, just really impressive for them to come out the way they did. Well, I think it's an interesting interesting juxtaposition uh, with the team we just previously profiled in Mountain View, how they started hot 
and that really set the mm -hmm. tone and that they've carried that through. It was a little bit of the opposite for Seton. I think that's because they have nine sophomores and it was always going to be kind of a work in progress. Uh, they started the season two and four, mm -hmm. but they've used those and coach Joe Potter, I think has been very successful in, in uh, being able to use those kind of early season lessons to take into the Trico. And then once they strung a few wins together and start really clamping down on defense, this team is playing with uh, as much confidence as any uh, going into that district tournament. And they, you know, they played some some bigger schools in that opening month of the season, and they, you know, they weren't afraid to go out and schedule some some tougher games, and maybe, um, you know, knowing that that ultimately what counted was those trico league games. But yeah, I mean, it seemed like they were just patient this year from the get go. At least the coaching staff was, and they weren't all overly concerned about maybe what their record looked like going into the new year, and and their players bought into you know kind of what that that slow progression would look like. And it really paid off for them uh, in the Trico League. And and uh, yeah, a team with nine sophomores that's really growing up in a hurry now. Well, and I don't think there was any second guessing. You knew what you had done recently at yeah. worked. I mean, they were 20 and four last exactly, year. Exactly. Yeah. They made it to the state opening round for the first time in program history. So you didn't have to look that far in, 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 into the rearview mirror to see, hey, we've had success here. We may be a little young, but we have a blueprint to, to get pretty far here. Yeah. And I think they've implemented that and just embraced the philosophy. And you're just seeing that, especially with the buy-in on the defensive side. And a lot of those players were part of last year's team as, as freshmen. And, um, you know, while most of them didn't see significant playing time uh, to be along for that ride, I think, you know, they were, they were ready uh, going into this year to kind of uh, lead the team. And, and the results, while they didn't come right away necessarily, um, they have translated at the most important point in the season. All right. On to our next grade, Ridgefield Girls. You get an A minus, and it's an A minus only because there was one team that uh, you were 17 and 0, perfect against uh, all teams not named Columbia River. But that doesn't take any. I mean, we talked about just how dangerous a team Columbia River is, so that doesn't take anything away from what the Sputters were able to accomplish yeah. this year. Uh, you know, very solid season and. What has impressed me most about what Ridgefield has established there is that, you know, we're kind of used to Ridgefield. Okay, they're a great volleyball program, good football program, great softball program, great, you know, girls basketball was always kind of like the one program that was trying to figure things out. You don't have yeah. to go long uh, that long ago in 2019, 2020, the sputters were one in 11 in league play, but boy, they've, uh, they've really figured things out under Lauren Heflin. Uh, you know, great to see Ridgefield uh, put it together this year and uh, play with so, so much success with the, uh, the Chapman sisters really leading the way in the backcourt. Oh yeah. Huge. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they had a few different head coaches over the years. Now they have Lauren Heflin in her second year and, uh, you know, between the Chapman sisters, um, you know, both were even in that uh, Columbia River game. Most recently, both were uh, among the top scorers. But then they have, you know, a, a sophomore guard in Savannah Chanda, who's come along really nicely this year. Um, Elizabeth Swift is kind of one of their senior leaders. Morgan Good as well, and then you know some some other players off the bench who are who are key for them. And you know, um, they didn't um, necessarily play the 
most, I would say, uh, you know, difficult schedule this year. And, and part of that was due to weather as well. They they lost a couple games uh, that they weren't able to reschedule. But they, you know, they opened the season with wins against Prairie and Skyview and then pretty much go right into league play. Um, ran the table in all of those, like you said, except for the Columbia River losses. So it'll be interesting to see now when they when they go into the district uh, tournament, kind of how that translates. But um, with the games they were they played in league, they were, uh, you know, aside from those river games, perfect, pretty much. Well, and that backcourt is going to be dangerous, uh, yeah. you know, beyond this year. Jaleese Chapman, only a freshman yep. as a point guard. Janessa Chapman, a junior, so she'll be back. And then you you mentioned Savaconda. Yeah. Uh, you know, so when you bring that back, that experience and that in talent, talent in the backcourt, you can do a lot of things. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, they were kind of in the in years past or even this most recent season, um, kind of right in the middle of this league. But now finishing second, they'll they'll have a good you know draw. You would think um, to start the district tournament and, and be in good shape to to get one of those berths for the next uh, round into the opening round of state. Uh, and they do so, uh, and everything looks like they have a, like you said a pretty good chance. It would be the Sputters' first state berth since two thousand and seven. Wow! So reestablishing a program that uh, has had a couple of lean years in recent memory, but is back at the forefront. So uh, nothing but uh, uh, a salute to Ridgefield and what they've been able to do there. Uh, the final team we're going to give a grade to, and it's not really a grade because it, uh, I would even put it as an incomplete right yeah. <laughs> now. Uh, everything that the Camus girls are going to judge this season on depends on the final exam. It is all or nothing with this team because this is a team that is basically state championship or bust. They got so close last year, uh, losing to Eastlake in the championship game. They bring basically everybody back from that team, all the starters, all the key players. You have players like Reagan Jamison who missed a bunch of last year with an injury. Uh, you have Addison Harris playing as well as she has. You have Kira Thompson being the ultimate floor general there. Uh, we will give our grade to the Camus girls after the state tournament because it's an A plus or nothing for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, th this is kind of what we all expected, uh, you know, after after the way last season ended. And they've been very open about kind of their unfinished business to take care of this year. But so far, you know, they've really done everything that's that's been asked of them. I mean, you know, after they go to Spokane and Washington, D.C. for some tough early season tournaments, all they've done are really win the the biggest games uh, against you know both in state and out state. When you look at you know their rematch against East Lake, they win that uh, rematch of last year's state championship game. Then they beat uh, Clackamas in the second uh, the rematch of a game they lost earlier in the year. They beat Garfield, the three time three A defending uh, state championship uh, in a, in a really uh, tough game on on MLK Day. They win that in overtime. Then they beat Union twice. You know consider really their biggest rival in the 4A Greater St. Helens League, and they blow them out both times and have now won eight straight. So really everything that they, you know, they're on course to do what they, they want to do. But like you said, the biggest thing, it all leads to that final state tournament game. So um, we will we will uh, look forward to that and, and see, uh, you know, where they stack up at the end of the year. But uh, until then, they've done everything they can, really. Yeah, I, I mean, they want to go out and not just uh, stack their schedule over the holidays and, and uh, you know, in the non-league season with tough opponents, they wanted to seek out the best. You're talking yeah. like top 10 nationally ranked teams. And so I think it was always 
part of the plan to go and uh, test yourself against that level of competition, use that to hopefully, you know, take a new approach and a new standard into the state tournament where you're not going to be faced by anybody at that point. And I think, you know, we had talked um, uh, last week about how we're looking forward to round two of Union versus Camus, especially considering last year how Union played Camus a lot tougher yeah. the second round. Uh, and we thought there there might be a, a similar thing happening this year. But no, Camus just dominated from the stretch. Yeah, I mean, it was it was on that senior night game. And I think uh, emotions were just really running high. And, and Camus uh, came out and, and really just put on, you know, yet another really convincing performance. And, um, you know, they, they have been really challenged, obviously, by the that non-league schedule obviously they it hasn't uh, helped their rpi so far there's been some, I, which i think it's hilarious <laughs> I, th I think it's hilarious when you look at that it's like oh number 15 camas yeah. versus a team that's ranked like number three and camas ends up winning by 30 right <laughs> i mean there, there there are some gripes about that and obviously there's a human element as well that will be sorted out i, th I don't think anybody doubts that camas is one of if not the best uh for a team and and they should hopefully be seated as such come uh by district and, and state, but uh, yeah, just, um, overall though, I mean, they've they've been tested against really some of the toughest teams in the entire country, and um, you know, you you do that expecting that it's going to help you down the line, and and even if you take those losses, um, you know, you're ultimately learning and, and gaining experience. It's going to help you in those those end of the season games of the Tacoma Dome. Well, and they're so balanced too. I mean, you you look at Addison Harris. Yeah, I think she went off for 28 in a recent game, mm -hmm. but she doesn't always uh, carry the scoring load, nor does she even have to. I mean, it, it, they spread it around so well. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, time and time again, just about how uh, unselfish they are. And, you know, a Addison Harris could probably score 30 a game if she wanted to, but it's probably not what's best for the team. And, um, you know, it's they have so many capable uh, players who can do it otherwise. And, uh, well, she, you know, probably is, is the most complete and, and dangerous offensive player they have. I mean, when you look at Reagan Jamison and Riley Sands and, and Sophie Buzzard, who's a great shooter, and Parker Mayers and Kendall mayors off the bench and you know combining that with Kira Thompson obviously um really just a, a perfectly built team really when you look at their their starting five and and some of their top players off the bench well we are headed into the postseason we might not uh be able to put a cap on uh the grade for Camus until the end of the the state playoffs but for some of these other teams you know, success in the district tournament, success in the bi-district tournament, making it to state, you know, getting a run through, uh, you know, the regional round, that will define success for them. Every team kind of has a different benchmark that they're trying to hit. It's the most exciting time of the year. It's postseason basketball. We can't wait. Uh, follow us on 360preps.com and we will see you next week.